you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is Larry Tossel with the Houston Texans, and this is the NFL Report. Welcome into the NFL Report, and that's fitting, Steve. Laramie Tunsil, offensive lineman. We have a ton of offensive linemen and offensive line talk in this game. Brian Baldinger's Baldy's favorite films. He's a former offensive lineman. He's going to talk about the Lions and the Steelers and the Browns offensive line. And mentioning that, left guard, all-pro Joel Batonio joins the show and talks about his Let's new quarterback, go. Dorian Thompson Robinson. Also, Agent 89, Steve Smith joins the show talking about his favorite wide receivers in the game right now in terms of yards after the catch. Also, Pep Talk, Pep Hamilton with us. A lot of offensive coordinator talk, Steve. You got Ken Dorsey losing his job, and you got Thomas Brown losing his play-calling duties. Pep Hamilton breaks all that down. That's right, JP, but there's no bigger news in the NFL this week than Brown's quarterback, Deshaun Watson, has a fracture in his shoulder that's going to require immediate surgery. He's out for the season. Let's hear the Browns quarterback about this development. It's going to be a couple months, and, um, you know, biggest thing is mobility and uh, just the range of motion and then, you know, the strength and stuff will work out. But, uh, you know, I'm going to be working with some some great doctors and great staff that's dealt with this process before uh, with a lot of professional baseball guys and, um you know, make sure that, you know, I come back, you know, even better than before. I'm going to come back even better than before. The long-term projections here for Deshaun Watson, who this team, again, has committed $230 million guaranteed dollars to. Well, let's say this right up front when you mentioned the money, Steve. Deshaun Watson's not going anywhere. Because of the cap hit that he has, I think it's around $63 million per year starting Next season, obviously, they dropped that number to about 19 this past season. They can move the cap number around a little bit. But all that money, as you mentioned, is fully guaranteed. So Deshaun Watson is there. He will be getting the money. What everybody in Cleveland and around the NFL is curious about is, if are we ever going to see Deshaun Watson play at the level we saw him play in 2020? His final year in Houston, I covered him a bunch that season and on a terrible team. No receivers, no defense, no anything He was the best maybe quarterback in football in 2020, Steve, when he led the NFL in passing, completed over 70% of his passes, also had 33 touchdowns to seven interceptions, and they went 4-12. and He put that team on his back, and he performed brilliantly. That's the type of player the Browns thought they were getting. Now, in 12 games that he has played in the next three seasons, between 2021, which he didn't play, Played six after the suspension last year, has played six this season, and that's all he'll play. His stats are this. 
He has, as I look for it and find it, Steve, he has 59% completion percentage, 2,217 passing yards, 14 touchdowns, and nine interceptions. That's nowhere near what we saw in 2020. My thought is, Steve, quarterback is about feel. Quarterback is about feel a lot of the time. He used to have that. With this little play over three seasons, will that feel ever return to what we saw before? And how close can he get it there? Because this is a better Browns team than what we saw him do and how he succeeded in 2020 with an inferiorly talented Texans team. Absolutely. I mean, and this is a legitimate question. Are we going to see in his early 30s, 31 years old, whatever, when he comes back, the same player. But who's to say he might not be better? Yep. You know, we're seeing quarterbacks play into the late 30s. Maybe this, this situation with the sure. shoulder and heels, right? And they continue to build a better team because that kind of leads us into a discussion I want to have. You know, over the past few seasons, we've seen some teams like the Browns who were basically the butt of jokes when it came to the NFL. And now we're seeing teams like Cleveland, like Jacksonville, like Houston, like Detroit, become some of the better teams in the NFL. And this is where Deshaun Watson, we, and we talked about this on Monday show, James, in the back half of that game against Baltimore, he looked like it finally felt right. It looked like it finally felt good. But overall, the thing why I am encouraged by the Browns with Deshaun Watson's situation or not for the season and the long term is now the players, instead of being brought down by this type of news or brought down by the chaos, they're like, let's keep pushing forward. We're going to talk to Joel Batonio, the left guard, about that a little bit later on, James. Yeah, they've been through it before. They lost Nick Chubb early. They lost Jack Conklin. I think this team has proven that they can be gritty. They're still in the playoff hunt right now as they're sixth in the AFC. If they protect the football, play good defense, and get the football to their skill guys, they could be in a position to make the playoffs. And that is just a positive sign moving forward for an organization that has struggled mightily. Steve, let's get on to the Jacksonville Jaguars, yeah. a team that has also been a laughing stock over the years. But what we saw last year, a drop, maybe a little bit more. They were on their way to the AFC title game and beating the Chiefs in Arrowhead, a game I was at. This season right now, obviously their first place in the division, if they clean up the sacks, clean up the turnovers, I think this team just, it was a misstep, and we talked to Bucky Brooks about it against the 49ers. They can be physical. They can be one of the better teams in the AFC. And when you look at them long-term, I do think this team has figured out the quarterback position. They know that they have a Super Bowl-winning head coach. That man right there, Travis Etienne, is one of the best backs in football. This team has turned a corner, and I expect high-level play competing for the division and competing for an AFC title for years to come for the Jags. No more laughing stock. And, th and th this comes with... The head coach, Doug Peterson, he came in and brought stability and a great staff to get people to believe. The talent's always been there. They've been drafting high for two decades in the top 10. They haven't been able to retain those players. Now the development, we're seeing it. And now we're probably going to see the likely retention of some of that talent to keep it moving forward. Mm -hmm. James, let's also look at the Houston Texans because there has been no team that has symbolized dysfunction in the NFL like Houston the past four or five seasons. And now they are threatening for a playoff push with rookie coach D'Amico Ryans, quarterback C.J. Stroud, and some of the other changes we've seen in terms of talent. And the fact that they have turned this around so quickly, I don't think this is a blip on the radar. I think as an organization, they've actually been able to self-scout, get rid of the people in the building who were bringing things down, some of the backbiting going on, and now they have a leader in D'Amico Ryans that's pushing things forward 
And it always helps when you've got a quarterback who can guide you. And C.J. Stroud looks like the home run of this year's draft. This is the Jacksonville Jaguars of last year, Steve, right? In Jacksonville, they wanted to figure out if they could change their culture with a new head coach and if their number one, number two overall pick, right, it was Trevor Lawrence or it's C.J. Stroud, is a real franchise quarterback and franchise of the future. Those things were established for Jacksonville last year in the first year. They're established already for the Houston Texans. And moving forward, they are, in my mind, going to be a destination for free agency. When they have an owner that doesn't middle in things, they have a general manager who has shown us he can find talent at the top and at the back end of drafts and also a head coach that has established a dominant culture with a franchise quarterback. The last one quickly, I will say this, Steve, is the Detroit Lions. I think the only thing in their way is how do they have life after Ben Johnson moves on as the number one candidate for a head coaching position after this. Outside of that, the Lions also have turned a corner. And one of the reasons, the main reason why is the leadership. We see Dan Campbell. But then you're also your Brad Holmes, a general manager, guys like Ray Agnew in there. Mm-hmm. They have built this team on the offensive and defensive lines, non-prima donnas in there. So when you get to the skill Great position, point. guys, you typically are prima donnas. They cannot strut their feathers because it's the grunts in the interior that are the main focus of this team. All right, JP, no more laughing stocks with those teams. And the Cleveland Browns, no. Even with Deshaun Watson out, they are not a laughing stock. And we're going to talk to their all-pro left guard, Joel Batonio, more about the short-term and long-term of this franchise. (laughs) You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Welcome back into the NFL Report. And Steve, we have an all-pro guest with us. It is the left guard of the Cleveland Browns, Joel Batonio. And Joel, I... You guys are making massive headlines, and let's just jump right into it this week with the loss of your starting quarterback, Deshaun Watson, after just a brilliant second half by by your offense and by him individually. So it's Dorian Thompson-Robinson that is in there. What does DTR say to you? You've played with him as your quarterback in a game, but I doubt you've had him operating your huddle in a Wednesday in practice. What's the first thing he says to you guys as an offense? Um, he was just locked in. You know, I, I saw this morning he was real focused once we heard the news about Deshaun, which is obviously disappointing for everybody. You know, we thought we were taking some some really good steps as a team. Um, but Dorian was really focused this morning. Um, he called he called the first play, and you could tell he had that confidence and he was ready to step in and, and um, you know, fill the shoes that, that we need in a starting quarterback. You know, our defense is playing really well right now. We have some playmakers in a – Amari and David, who are playing really good on offense, so get those guys the ball, take care of the ball for us, and uh, see what we can do. But the confidence was there, and I think he's ready to put in the work um, that's needed to be a, a starting quarterback in this league. Joe, before we continue to push forward, I do have to ask you this, because 
there were some, I don't even know which one to call the people out there, who, who questioned Deshaun Watson's toughness a couple weeks ago about mm. his shoulder. Does he really want to play? We find out he played that second half with a high ankle sprain and a shoulder, a new shoulder injury that if he didn't have immediate surgery, they said this thing could like fall apart. It could become actually jacked up. What can you tell us about Deshaun's toughness and what he displayed, especially last Sunday? Yeah, since he's been around the team, he's he's shown that, you know, want to be out on the field with the guys. And, and I know he dealt with some shoulder issues earlier in the year, um, but it was limiting his ability to, like, be able to throw the football. But if there's anything that wasn't, like this high ankle sprain, this shoulder injury that was obviously painful for him and, and you know, obviously a little bit dangerous for him um, this last game, it just shows he wants to be out there with the team. You know, he talked all week about how this was a big game for us, a big game for him, because that's what he came here to do is play in these AFC North battles. Um, and, and we appreciated that that effort. You know, even after the game, before I knew his shoulder was all messed up, I was like, I just appreciate you fighting through with the ankle um, and being out there with the guys. And, and so we understand that. And we, it really shows how tough he is as a guy and, and um, you know, the want to be out there for, for the Cleveland Browns. You, you guys have that as a team, though. Joel, you know that. The grittiness that you guys have shown throughout the course of this season. And specifically, I'll talk about that second half one more time because there's a play I, I, we need to address here, Steve. Joel, you're at the left guard spot. You come across and you engage with Jadeveon Clowney. You guys are well behind the line of scrimmage. Jerome Ford's going downfield, and you are way behind the play. But your entire team is pushing him downfield, and you come in at the end. And you put that final push in. Kevin Stefanski said it was his favorite play of the game. I'm curious, run through that play from your perspective, and is that maybe one of your favorite plays that you pushed your entire offense into field goal range to win it? Yeah, you know, we knew we had to get down to field goal range to give us ourselves a chance. We kind of called like a punch play, which, um, you know, Usually I'm, I'm kicking out the end man on line scrimmage, but the way they blitzed, it happened to be a lot quicker than I was used to. So mm -hmm. um, Jadavion ended up, you know, right across the line for me. So it kind of turned into like a trap play for me and I had to kick him out kind of last second. Um, so we had a good collision and I was kind of behind the play, like you said, and I, I kind of <laughs> had my head down. I look up and I'm like, oh my gosh, the play's still going. <laughs> and the first thought of my mind was like, I can't be the only one not pushing the pile. So I wanted to come in and try try and help uh, at the end. And we knew we only needed, you know, 10 or 15 more yards. But uh, luckily I got in there and, and, and helped move the pile a few more yards. But I think it just shows, um, you know, coaches really stress resilience and, and toughness and, and what we want to be as, um, you know, Cleveland Brown this year. And I think that play just kind of um, just show, shows the team and shows the world, like, we have 11 guys on the field at every play that, that want to fight for, you know, the Cleveland Browns any way we can get a win. Hey, Joel, I think, I think every train coming through awesome. Cleveland now is going to paint a number 75 on the caboose in tribute to you right there on that play. Pushing through. So we, we, we talk a little bit about DTR being the next man up at quarterback, but no place is kind of symbolized next man up with this team more than your offensive line. I mean, you guys are down tackles. You guys are down to, you know, you have to shift some players around. What about the functionality of that group and the way you guys are finding ways to work together? Yeah, you know, we, we've been a little bit banged up. You know, obviously we lost Jack in the first game. Um, you know, Jed's, Jed's got banged up too. So our two starting tackles from the year. And then um, Dewan also has been a little bit banged right. up. So we're, you know, we're going on four and five right now. But uh, I think it's a testament to um, Coach Callahan, Coach Peters, Coach DeCosta, our, our three real O-line coaches that come in here and put in the work. You know, when you sign a guy from a practice squad or you pick someone up, you know, off the, off the street, um, it's not just – 
you know, learning the assignments, it's, it's learning the technique we're using, you're learning our communication. So I think it's a testament to them to start and then draw and uh, James were always just ready to go. You know, they're ready to play. Um, they did a good job this last week of stepping in against, you know, Baltimore. We have a lot of respect for their defense. They're, they're one of the you know best defenses in the league. So those guys came in and, and we have a big challenge this week in Pittsburgh. But, um, you know, to, to have that much movement around the line, you always hope you have, you know, five guys that say the same, but you know, it's a it's a dangerous sport and, and guys get banged up and, and hopefully we can get Jed back here and, and some other guys. But until then, you know, I, I've been really happy with the way the guys have filled in and, and really just took the responsibility of learning the playbook and, and um, knowing what their assignments are. Joel, with all of that said, you're sitting in the sixth spot right now in the AFC playoff picture. You mentioned you're going up against a talented defense with the Pittsburgh Steelers in your division. What has to happen with everything you're saying about the offensive line, and you've had some shifting going on there, when you have a new quarterback come in in DTR, what do you guys need to figure out first during this week? Is it cadence with him? Is it how he operates? Just how to get on the same page before really probably even execution starts. Yeah, for me, I, you know, I, I love to hear the cadence because it's always a little bit different. They try and be um, as close as possible, but when you're trying to jump the count and, and get off on the line, you want to make sure uh, that that cadence is good. Just how they operate in the huddle. Um, we've had some reps with DTR. You know, he, he played mm -hmm. that week against Baltimore. Um, so so we've had some experience with him. But just get that understanding. And then, you know, as an offense, just just know, like, we have a great defense that we're playing with. You know, they're, they're going to take care of their job. We have to go out and do our job. We don't have to do anything, you know, out of the world, we just have to do our job. And, and that's really been stressed to all 11 guys yeah. that are going to be on the field. Um, and just getting a feel of, of how we're going to, you know, take care of the ball. You know, when we win the turnover battle or tie the turnover battle here, we're, we got a great record. So we're going to try and do that. And, um, you know, obviously we know it's a big challenge this week. But um, I do think we have the right mentality going into it. So you guys lost to the Steelers in week two. You get to play him again. Again, with, with DTR now quarterback. But tell me this, there's such an edge-dominant football team, right, with Highsmith and Watt, a lot of Cam Akers mm -hmm. playing that five, I mean, Cam Hayward playing that five technique. Are there any vulnerabilities in, in, in your little cone guard to guard where you guys think you can exploit that defense? Um, they're pretty solid, you know, across the front. Obviously, you, you hear about TJ, um, you know, making the plays. On, their edges are both both really good, and, and Cam Hayward's been back for a couple weeks now coming off that injury. We didn't play him in week two, and, I, you know, I've gone against him a bunch in my career, so – that's always a, a, a good battle. Um, but, you know, they've had some good players. Number 95 for them. He's a rookie. Uh, he's come in. Larry Ogunjobi, we know. He, he was in Cleveland. So yep. they have some good players. They obviously are, are a little bit banged up um, at linebacker. You know, the last couple of weeks they've had to put a couple guys on IR. But, um, you know, the Steelers do a good job of, of, of plugging in players. And I think their defense has that mentality. And they, they've been taking, care, um, taking away the ball, scoring touchdowns, doing enough to win these games. So um, we, we know there's a challenge up in, in front of us, and, and we're going to have to play our best game to try and get a win. Well, let's say this, Joel. Your, your defensive front has been a challenge for anybody they've gone against this season, and you got a chance to see them up close and personal with the new additions that are up there with Miles and, and the way that they've been able to play together. What I'm curious, though, from an all-pro guard, what would be going through your mind if Miles Garrett was coming towards you and he's doing the, I don't know, Allen Iverson crossover, the thing he's working in the middle of, <laughs> uh, uh, of the offensive line? Give me the Joel Petonio take on that pass rush technique by one of the best in the game in Miles Garrett. Well, I've got to see it in practice, which is uh, much better than the game. You know, it, it doesn't quite count in practice. <laughs> Less um, you know, he'll get his. 
He'll, he'll get his one-on-one uh, -on -one reps when he lines up on the inside. But that's one of those ones where, you know, you see him lining over the left guard of the center, like, maybe let's slide that way. Let's let's double team here. <laughs> um, but, you, you know, Coach Schwartz, Co Co Coach Schwartz does a good job of, you know, getting him some one-on-one -on -one matchups, moving around the, uh, moving around the, you, you know, the formation. So he has some one-on-one -on -one matchups. But if you're in a game and you, you got, you know, the Miles Garrett walking around over you, you're like, hey, let's let's slide left here, guys. Let's get some help going that way. Um, but no, they're playing, they're playing so good, and it's it's been so fun to, uh, you know, they, they make these big plays for you. You see them, you know, sacks, fumbles, touchdowns. Uh, you win them against some camp, and you don't really know them camp because everybody knows each other so well. And then they play the first couple games. You're like, we got a pretty mm -hmm. good defense now, and it, it, it's been fun to fun to play alongside them. Hopefully, uh, play some complimentary football down the stretch here. Joel, I've talked to players who've done it, coaches who've done it, and a lot of times it's thrown yeah. out there. When a quarterback goes down, there's always just thinking it, the more pressure is on the defense now to hold the fort until the offense figures things out. Do you think that's the case with the Browns now, or do you think there's more pressure on the offense to execute better because Dorian might be your guy going the rest of the way? Yeah, it's, um, you, you know, I wouldn't call it pressure, but our, our defense has been performing very well. You know, we understand that. So I think they have their standard that they're, they want to play to and, and what Coach Schwartz kind of pushes them to. Um, and as an offense, you know, we understand we want to take care of the ball. We will run the ball, take our shots when we can, um, get the ball to Amari, get the bar, ball to David. Um, Jerome Ford's been running the ball well for us. Kareem getting those touchdowns. So um, we, we have our weapons too. Um, and I wouldn't even say pressure. We just want to do our 111, do our job out there, play complimentary football and, and uh, you know, see what happens, you know, one week at a time. All right, before we finish this out, Joel, I have to ask you, I'm not trying to look back and, and Josh Dobbs, right, in that situation. I'm looking forward. Obviously, he was a teammate of yours and, and you spent some time with him. What's just your take on what he's been able to do the last couple of weeks in, in Minnesota, just as a football fan and probably a, fr a friend of his? Yeah, it's, it's been so impressive. Uh, you know, I got to spend a lot of time with him last year and then obviously this year uh, before before he traded him away. But first off, he's a great person, like, you know, one of one type people. And, and, yeah. and you love to see him do really well. And then, I mean, you look at it even at the end of last year when he you know played for Tennessee for a little bit. He was in Cleveland, obviously. And then he's been traded, you know, on three different teams already this year. Like, it's such a journey. And, uh, you know, I know he's taking it day by day. But it's impressive. It, it, it talks to the person he is. You know, he has the football talent, but the way he attacks it, the way he learns, you know, gets along with everybody truly. Um, it, it's pretty special for him. And I'm sure, mm. you know, hopefully, you know, he's doing a good job and I'm rooting for him. So hopefully he leads the Vikings to a, you know, playoff berth and, and does some things there. But I think he'll look back on this year and be like, man, that was a crazy special <laughs> year for him. But uh, he's, he's a great dude. And, uh, yeah, you know, we're exactly. all rooting for him. <laughs> Hey, Joel, you guys have an opportunity awesome. to say it is a crazy special That's year phenomenal. for you two, man. We really appreciate you taking the time. We're just going to call you the caboose now, number 75, the last guy on the train pushing yeah, things pushing forward. Pushing it all down the hill. Thank you so much, my man. Yeah, I appreciate that. appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Boose, man, that is a great interview. That's you get on the NFL Report. You know what else you get? Agent 89. That's right, our own Steve Smith. Coming up after the break here on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 
37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. I just got to win. I just got to win. So Bowie about to win. So Bowie about to win. Talk about a game-changing player. Got his first touch as a professional. Steve Smith caught it. A Houdini act by Steve Smith. That's that stiff arm again. Are you kidding me? Smith is top five players in this league. That man can't be stopped. You can't stop him. I'm serious. All right, welcome back to the NFL Report. James, we are now joined by that man who we just saw, Agent 89, and now our NFL Network colleague, Steve Smith. Steve, what's up, my brother? How you guys doing, man? My two favorite guys right here. Hey, there we are, JB. This is wonderful. This hey, is you this know, too long. It, it, it did take too long. And, Steve, we know we only have you for a limited time, so let's get right into it. As we saw on the highlights there, and anybody's watched your career, one of the best catch-and-run receivers. So we want to talk to you about who are your favorite catch-and-run receivers in the NFL right now. Well, you know, I always get in trouble when I talk about wide receivers. I'm not sure why and how, but, you know, I just kind of try to keep it, uh, you know, to, to, to the fullness of who I am, right? But, um, you know, one of the guys I'm I'm ultra uh, happy and I love to watch is the emergence of Brandon Ayuk uh, with the San Francisco 49ers uh, because we know Debo Samuels, what he presents to this offense, and maybe you don't know, so I'll summarize Debo Samuels uh, presents the guy for the San Francisco 49ers, the ability to line up everywhere. I believe, uh, you know, in those three or four games that he hasn't been able to go, that's really put a lot of pressure on Brandon Ayuk because Brandon Ayuk is more of the surgeon for this offensive route running, but Debo Samuels lines up everywhere. I think last week he had 39 uh, snaps. And he was lined up outside, uh, outside wide, but he was also lined, I think, about 15 times in the um, in the slot. And then he had about two or three in the backfield. There have been times where he's had a, a total of 57 offensive plays and yet been lined up in the backfield seven or eight times, lined up in slot, also even lined up in the in line next to the tight end. Yep. So they utilize him a lot and put a lot of pressure on the offense, on the defense with the RPO game. And what that has done for Brandon Ayuk, it has allowed him to really get into his route running. Brandon Ayuk, I saw this Brandon Ayuk, what I thought he could be when we, you and I, Steve Weish, were talking about Arizona with Nikhil Harry. And when Nikhil Harry was coming out of college, the guy who really caught my eye that I thought would surpass and be a more all-around wide receiver was Brandon Ayuk. And if you don't believe me, if you're thinking I'm just capping as the young people say, 
Uh, 89 doesn't cap. Sometimes no. I get in trouble being no. too real. Uh, but I'm telling you, Brendan IU, I believe, and Debo may get mad at this, and, he, you know, I hope not. But I think Brandon Ayuk is the best route runner on that team just because what he can do. Uh, he's not big and uh, paused, thick and a lower body like Debo Samuels. But when Kyle Shanahan finally allowed him to get out of the doghouse and understand that you coach this kid differently compared to some of the other guys, he's really coming to his own. Like you said, averaging 17 and a half, so 18 yards per reception. But the man could just flat out play, runs great routes, sinks his hips, understands the leverage of the defender, utilizes the great play calling by Kyle Shanahan and the tendencies. And then he goes out there and just does what he does week in and week out, which is run exceptional routes. He's he's slated to be a free agent, Steve. So can he be a number one if he's on another team? Can he be? Can he be a number one? He is a number one. I'm, I'm not sure what game. Okay. Watching, but he All right. He's a number one wide receiver. Okay. I believe because of Debo Samuel and the way this offense is constructed with the 49ers yeah. led by Cal Shepard, that it sometimes it gets a little wonky where you don't really see his wide receiver one ability because they have George Kittle, pro bowler, baller. You have mm-hmm. Debo Samuels, pro bowler, baller. They have CMC, Pro Bowl, baller. And so he sometimes gets overshadowed. But this year, there's no overshadowing him. Let that man spread his wings and go. And I, I don't believe they are going to have enough money on the roster and in the salary cap to be able to pay him what he will get on the open market. Well, it's going to be interesting, Steve, because the Niners did, did redo some contracts where they're going to carry over $41 million onto next year's cap. So they might have done that. So they could re-sign Ayuk. Another player who, to me, well, we all know he's number one wide receiver, but Amon Ross St. Brown for the Detroit Lions, Steve. I mean, when I when I watch him play, I, I can't get enough for this guy. I want to get your thoughts on him because, to me, he's one of the tougher wideouts in the NFL. We don't talk about this guy enough. Yeah, we don't talk about him enough. He does an exceptional job. He lines up all over the field. He primarily lines up in the slot. And I think a little bit of why and why they did not draft any wide receivers uh, in the top rounds is because uh, St. Brown is that guy that plays in the slot. His run and catch ability, right? Being a Cali kid out of USC, you saw what he can do. But he does have the ability to line up outside primarily. But... The only way he can really line up outside and impact in the way he impacts in the slot, this just my tell of the tape, is he has to use his hands a little bit more because he's such has such lower body strength and upper body strength. You can see he's extremely muscular. Sometimes he gets caught up with too much hand fighting, and so they utilize the slot to get him off the line of scrimmage and get him going. Because as you see, as his B-roll is running, when he gets the ball in his hands, his yak, his ability to run through tackles, his ability to extend plays for the quarterback, to extend the offense, to keep them ahead of chains, and also uh, to accumulate as many first downs as possible, um, is really just like 7-11. He's always open. I put St. Brown in the same category as Jamar Chase, but because maybe he's playing in Detroit he and the quarterback situation, he doesn't get a lot 
of accolades or a lot of uh, fanfare, but I believe he's up there with some of the top tier wide receivers uh, in the NFL right now. Steve, I love you mentioned him alongside Jamar Chase. He's another guy I don't think the first guy there. The first hat usually never takes Jamar Chase down. It's always the second or third guy. He's another guy after the catch. And I love that you mentioned Amon Ross St. Brown playing in the slot and moving him around. You and I have talked about corners shadowing uh, in today's game. I had a conversation with Patrick Sertan a couple weeks ago about it when he did it to uh, uh, Devontae Adams for a good chunk of time. But with the way receivers now go inside, outside, are moved all over the place, is a true, like, full game essentially shadow between a DB and a receiver. Do you think those days are kind of behind us in a sense with the way receivers are moved around? That's a fantastic question. And as I said, I was looking, looking away as you were saying that. I think it just depends on the coordinator. Like Vic Vangio is an outstanding defensive coordinator, has been that way and been a def- defensive-minded coach uh, with some of the best of them. But if you look at his defenses traditionally, they don't follow. And so that mm-hmm. can sometimes undermine the ability and the value of that corner uh, when you're in a Vic Vangio mm. style of defense. And when I'm saying Vic Vangio, Vic Vangio tree is large here in Carolina. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Coach Evero, he's a Vic Vangio guy, right? They don't give up mm-hmm. a lot of touchdowns. But Vic Vangio's style of offense, traditionally, they give up a lot of yards, but they don't break. They just bend. And when you have that, Mm -hmm. I believe Patrick Satan, uh, the second, he has really statistically taken a step back and doesn't get a lot of credit. I watch a lot of film on him. Man, that kid is just – here's what he is. He's a troublemaker. Right. When I look at Patrick Sertan, the way he plays, right, he's the ki- he is the kid in the neighborhood, right? Hide, hide your purse, hide your keys. Uh, he has his pit bull walking across the street. You go across the street. He is not playing with anybody. He's a guy that makes you watch extra film. He reminds me of a Darrell Rivas, a Champ Bailey. Mm. And what do I mean by that is when I'm looking at film, I don't want this year's film. Give me their whole last two years of film so I can get enough data. And I need to be studying a Patrick Satan the second. I need to study him in the offseason. I need all of his plays, run, pass, special teams. What's his favorite color? What season of year does he like? <laughs> what is his favorite candy? I need all the information, good information, ancillary information, and then some fun facts as well because Patrick Satan has the ability to be off coverage and still shut you down and also be pressed up and shut you down. And I don't think he gets enough credit. And so I'm on record telling you he's he's a problem child, man. He's a troublemaker for wide receivers. Hey, Steve, I love that you compared problem him to – Problem Child was a great film. I, I... – <laughs> Hey, Steve, I love that you compared him to two Pro Football Hall of Famers, and maybe he'll be joining you in Canton one day because your time is coming soon, my brother. Appreciate you joining right. us. Appreciate you joining us. Always the insight. Got to have you back. All the best, 89. Awesome. Hey, I got I got one thing, though. What do you got? You remember I got in Go. trouble saying some people were uh, J-A-Gs, right? Yeah. So this yep. guy. Mm-hmm. So I want to coin a new phrase 
a jab. Just a beast. There we go. The jab. Steve Smith. <laughs> I love it. Love it, love it Steve. Dude. All right, my brother. All the love best. It, you thanks for joining the NFL yeah. Report. All right. You know who also is a jab? Brian Baldinger, just a beast. This guy's a beast too, Jameer Gibbs, mainly because he's running behind one of the best offensive lines in football. You talk offensive lines with Brian Baldinger. It's Baldy's favorite films coming up next on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Welcome back into the NFL Report. It's my favorite segment each and every week. It's Baldy's favorite films. Brian yeah. Baldinger joins us. And Baldy, I know you love when we have offensive linemen on the show. And they're a regular here. Laramie Tunsil, now Joel Batonio. What do you Jason think of the Kelsey. Browns all-pro left guard? Jason Kelsey as well. I forget Jason Kelsey. Nobody forgets the Kelseys these days. The most talked about humans on the planet. What do you think about Joel Batonio, uh, the all-pro from the Cleveland Browns, and what's going on in Cleveland and what they're going to have to deal with up front? Honestly, Steve and James, you can never go wrong talking to an offense line. They always have the global report. Like, they're just, you know, we're all just kind of meatheads. You know, like we, we don't, we can't talk about stats or, you know, all that kind of stuff. We just talk about <laughs> like how you win football games, like what it takes. And, you know, it, it's, it's interesting because obviously the quarterback is the story right now in Cleveland. And you guys addressed that with Joel. But just think about it. They lost the best running back in the league. You know, um, mm-hmm. in the second week of the season, like he's been the best running back in the league for five straight years, and you lose the Great, very best up. at that position, and yet here they are, still second in the league in rushing. You know, and they're you talk about losing both starting tackles last week, and you know you mm-hmm. go and there's Jerome Ford running for 100 yards against best defensive football, right? Like you, you got to look at Batonio and Posick and Wyatt Teller and how they go about their business. Because Bill Callahan is is just simply a genius when it comes to building an offensive line, keeping it cohesive, teaching Jerron Christian, you know, the way we call things and what we got to learn. And, like, it's, it's really a testament. And that's why I believe Cleveland's alive, because they've overcome so much already this season. Yep. Baldy, Wyatt Teller actually had the play of the game recovering a fumble late in the game when Deshaun Watson got sacked. That was huge. But let's continue the O-line conversation because last week I watched the Detroit Lions, one of your favorite teams, when you did your Baldy's breakdown, just virtuoso in the run and pass game. Jared Goff doesn't get touched. What about that group and what you saw against the Chargers and why this may be the toughest O-line for teams to counter the rest of the way. 
Well, you know, when you look at, you know, Taylor Decker right now and Jonah Jackson and Frank Ragnar all the way to Penny Sewell, um, they, they can play any style you want, Steve. If you want to play, just play smash mouth and run it on the goal line, they can move you off the ball. You want to run stretch and get out on the perimeter like Sewell right here, along with, uh, you know, the, the tight ends, you could do that. If you want to play an airmail game and let Jared Goff throw it to a fleet receiver, they can play. They really can play any style, protect the quarterback who's a pocket quarterback. The big runs from Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery last week. You want to play a shootout style game and get the ball in the final minute and take it down to go kick the game-winning field goal? Like, I think they're built for any style that you have to play, whether it's on the road, at home, against a contender, division rival like Chicago this week. Like, that offensive line can play any style right now. And there's not many that have that versatility like like Detroit. Well, I'm going to stick with the offensive line because that's your uh, that's your go-to, and that's what this show's all about with Joe Batonio on it. And now we're sticking with it, and we'll stick with we'll the team that he's going to go against, the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers and what they've done with Broderick Jones the last couple weeks at right tackle. I just want to mention this really quickly. I was there at camp a day after they had an inter-squad scrimmage, and then Mike yeah. Tomlin has him in pads the next morning. And in the end yeah. zone, they're running one-on-one drills, and it was just – Mike T telling TJ Watt to go against Broderick. And then it was like, Alex Highsmith, now you go against Broderick. And just work in the rookie. What have you seen the last couple of weeks out of him now that he's grown? Well, you know, they drafted him and he competed with Dan Connor, you know, for the left tackle spot. And, mm-hmm. and Connor played really well. He worked really hard this season. Uh, and then, you know, they had an injury at right tackle. And they, they, you know, they put in Broderick the last two weeks. And t- honestly, it's the best they have run the ball in years in Pittsburgh, these last two games mm. against Tennessee and against Green Bay. And Broderick Jones, you see the athletic ability getting up to the second level right here on this Najee Harris 10-yard touchdown run, like what the way that Jalen Warren is running the ball right here. And Broderick Jones' yeah. athletic ability, it just shows up whether he's pulling and leading, whether he's getting on the perimeter on any kind of a toss play, or just simply combo blocking inside, you know, with, with the right guard. Uh, you know, Daniels, and then the 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 upgrade that Isaac Sayamalo has been at left guard. Like, they addressed the offensive line this offseason, and now it's beginning to pay off. And I think for the first time, you can say, Pittsburgh has a running attack. And I'd be surprised if they don't continue to run the ball well. And, and Baldy, you've seen a, a couple of these clips here, and this is hard for a rookie, the technique. You're seeing hand placement and things like that. That is just mm-hmm. exactly how coaches want it. Another thing we got to move off the offensive line now that you wanted to talk about, Kyler Murray. He comes out. Ooh. I mean, there were some points where he didn't, you know, hey, I'm, I'm still getting a feel. But, man, Baldy, throwing the ball, running the ball, the overall operation of the offense, it was almost a clean sheet. Well, Steve, you would expect, you know, honestly, with the injury that he had, the, the turnover with general manager, coaches, offense, all the stuff that has happened, that there would be some level of rust on Kyler Murray. And it simply didn't show up. In fact, I would say that Kyler Murray looked – I mean, I, he's, I mean, run that read option since she was at oh. Allen High School in Texas. She still beautiful. can't stop him. But, but like, his movement, um, the accuracy, how he – the confidence that he played with, you can honestly say watching Kyler on Sunday that he's he played as confidently as, we, as we've ever seen him play. Like, this play is ridiculous – but this is the third and ten play when they needed it most on the game-winning drive to get the game-winning field goal. I thought he was outstanding. 
And it looks like him and his you know, young tight end right now have a special chemistry, which I think is going to – I think we're going to continue to see that going forward this year. I saw him play in high school, Baldy, at Allen. I went to a game. I saw him down there in Texas. He was incredible. I watched him play down there. It was, it was out of this world. But I want to go back well, to the how, offensive line, Steve. Yeah, I'm going you back. You know how they do it in what? Texas? They build the stadium first. Yes. If there's any money left over, then they build a school. Yeah. But it started they build the a school. That's how they do it in Texas. In Georgia, too. It was, it was unreal. The marching the marching band was so big, it didn't do any marching. Everybody just stood at their spot on the entire yeah. field because nobody had any room because that's how many people were in the band. I'm going back to the yeah. offensive line, though, Baldy, and, and you weren't ready for this one. This one's off the grid. But I yeah. was curious, with, with, with Andy Reid and Steve Spagnuolo having a week off to prepare for the tush push, could Ooh. this be the week on Monday night that we actually maybe see a team have a plan for this play that has been virtually unstoppable? I might put Chris Jones right on Jason Kelsey's nose and just see if they can budge that beast <laughs> and get him pushed backwards. Yeah. Like that might be something to look for. I'm, yeah. I'm sure Chris is like, eh, I don't really want to get bashed by, you know, a thousand pounds of beef coming at me, but that might be the solution yeah. right there. I'm sure Spags will have something. <laughs> you know, I mean, they, they use it in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they'll have. Some sort, I'm sure they've worked on something, not just knowing Spags and just his creativity yep. and all the chess pieces he has. It won't surprise me to see him have something ready because you know it's coming on Monday night. Yep. Hey, hey, Baldy, we have to go That's Mike correct. Tyson here. Everyone's got a plan until they get punched yep. in the mouth. There's all yep. kind of reality checks that happen right there. Hey, Baldy, that was great stuff. Absolutely great stuff. We appreciate you. We will see you next Thursday on the NFL Report. And when we come back, it's a pep talk. Former NFL coach and longtime coordinator, Pep Hamilton, who's got some thoughts on some offensive coordinator action that happened in the NFL this week. That's next on the NFL Report. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. All right, we're back at the NFL Report. James, now we are joined by longtime coach and former offensive coordinator Pep Hamilton, First up, Pep, hopefully a Howard Bison knockoff Morgan State, and we get to that celebration bowl. But uh, let's, let's, go. let's go. Let's go. But let's get right into some NFL talk because the offensive coordinator position uh, has seen some change this week. And I want to start weeks. in Buffalo. Yeah, I really want to start in Buffalo because it's weird. They lose a game because you got 12 men on the field. You have all this other stuff going on. But Sean McDermott lets go of offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey. And, Pep, just, you know, about the situation, their offense has actually been functioning 
very well. Um, so what about that whole dynamic of what we just saw up in Buffalo? Maybe not even using them as, as your example, but that is kind of the jumping off point here. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, I've been a part of a mid-season firing once upon a time. And and I think more than anything, it, it just it, it, it what resonates the most for me is the fact that it, had they won the game, would this have happened? Right. You know, just would it have happened? Mm-hmm. Right. And I think at the end of the day, when you look at just where this football team is, I'm talking about the Buffalo Bills, uh, where they are right now. They're in a situation where they're relying solely on their quarterback to uh, to make all the plays that are necessary for them for them to win games. And uh, and it may be ambitious of them to think that way and to think that he's capable of doing just that. I know he's paid a king's ransom, but um, at some point in time, you know, you got to really rely on all three phases of your uh, football team to give you a chance to beat other good football teams. And uh, right now they seem to be a bit more reliant on the quarterback position, which most teams are. I understand that the quarterback's the most important position on the team. But uh, this team in particular, uh, it wasn't the quarterback's play solely that cost them an opportunity to win a uh, game on Sunday or was it Monday night? Real quick, though, Pep, then, are you saying then this uh, the move might have been good because Ken Dorsey in this offense is relying too much on Josh Allen? No, I'm not saying that. I'm actually saying just the opposite. I do think that uh, when you look at how Josh statistically, you know, statistically he is he's probably as good as he's been uh, here in the last four or five years. I mean, eliminate the, the turnovers, of course. But I think there's some other factors that we don't know about that may have uh, contributed to the decision to uh, move on from Ken Dorsey. I think one in particular is the fact that Joe uh, Joe Brady's name showed up on that list of candidates that could potentially be the next offensive coordinator at Penn State. And there may be, you know, just some conversation about, well, if we don't feel like we're headed in the right direction, we have a guy that's been a play caller in the league uh, on the coaches now that we may want to give a shot to. And and uh, they was just waiting on the opportunity to do that, you know, but it doesn't make sense in my opinion. And that's just my opinion. But uh, none of us knows the inner workings of what's going on in the building and the true dynamics amongst the staff. Let's go to another offensive corner that wasn't relieved of his job, but relieved of his play calling duties in Thomas Brown with the Carolina Panthers. It was Frank Reich. Now it's Thomas Brown. Now it's back to Frank Reich. Snip, snap, snip, snap. We're back and forth. What does this do for an offensive coordinator that had an opportunity, Pep, to be a play caller? And then it's taken away. What, in my opinion, is it like to be in the building after that's been given to you and then taken away? You know, I think it's uh, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for not only Thomas Brown, but it's also unfortunate for Bryce Young, uh, because at the end of the day, mm. right now, I think the the pressure there's more pressure, external pressure on the uh, coaching staff and the Carolina Panthers franchise uh, solely because of the development and the play of C.J. Stroud, which should have anything to do with uh, the current state yeah. of, uh, of yeah. Bryce Young and that Boy. Carolina Panthers franchise. And uh, so everybody expects Bryce to come play uh, at the same level that CJ is playing at the moment. But at the end of the day, we we you know we understand that it's so uh, more so about the playing quarterback than it is just the play of the quarterback. And right, it's, it's ambitious to think that the Carolina Panthers uh, are, are in a position just as far as, as the, the 
to be able to uh, go out and from week to week close of offense. So, Pep, how, how do they move on from here? Because, again, now Thomas Brown's yeah. kind of like, okay, you, you took the play calling away from me. Our team is not good overall. To me, did, or, or I want to ask you, does this put everything on Frank Reich now? Okay, you, you're not the guy. You, I, I'm the one. It's all on now. Is it all on him, you know, succeed or fail? Well, we really don't know where the initial ultimatum came from for, you know, Frank to, to give the play calling duties to his offensive coordinator. You know, if it was a decision that was made by ownership, you know, Frank may have been uh, really uh, hoping to have the opportunity to get back in that role to uh, maybe atone for some of the things that uh, that happened early in the season where they weren't successful. But I do think that uh, just the, the, the consistency of, of having a voice and have an understanding of uh, of what to expect. I'm talking from Bryce Young's standpoint uh, is what's most important. The plan for the quarterback is just as important as the quarterback skill set. But we really appreciate some of the insight there. And let's not forget one thing about this whole decision with Thomas Brown. This is not the first time Frank Reich has done this. He fired his offensive coordinator, Marcus Brady, in mm. Indianapolis just before he got fired. So, again, Frank Reich has done Something like this before. Again, Pep, thank you so much for your time. We also want to let you know, next Thursday is Thanksgiving, JP. And here at the NFL Network, it's a John Madden Thanksgiving celebration on NFL Network. We've got you covered on Thanksgiving. What a lineup. Starting with Good Morning Football at 10 a.m. Eastern, you can check out NFL Game Day Morning. And we'll get you caught up throughout the day and evening with all of the highlights and analysis only on NFL Network. All right, JP, another great edition, a week 10 edition of the NFL Report. You get the last word to take us home. Oh, I get the last word? I'll tell you right now. I think I'm going to try a turducken now that I watch that. I think I'm going to fire that up on the old grill here at the Palmer household because we're hosting about 20, 25 people for Thanksgiving this year. It's going to be a monster at the Palmer household. We'll be watching NFL Network all day long, Steve. And you can listen for to James our podcast. Palmer, Weich, this has been... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to the podcast, too. Go for a walk. Take a dog for a walk or something like that. You know, walk off a little of that uh, tryptophan or whatever it is that you get in the turkey. And uh, just, you know, cop the NFL report. Take it easy, Steve. (laughs) You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.